listening to the Street Center Podcast. And welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Street Center Podcast. I am your host, Noah Taluki, and as you can hear from the intro music, it is March Madness officially as John Carroll has punched its ticket for the 16th time in program history to the NCAA tournament. They do get an at-large bid and will face Albertus Magnus College in the first round of the NCAA tournament here on a Friday as we're recording here in the WJCU studios. Glad you're along with us just before spring break. But we have a lot of other news to catch up on as well. We'll talk heavily, of course, on men's basketball, but wrestling having a really good weekend, sending three wrestlers to nationals, track and field second place at conference uh, at the conference championships at Baldwin Wallace in indoor baseball having a strong start to the season and women's lacrosse playing their first couple games of the year as well and joining us later in the program will be men's basketball players Connor O'Toole and William Wallace I'll sit down with them and talk about their season and, and give us a little bit of a preview on what to expect in the game here today on a Friday. So uh, glad you guys are with us. Follow us on Twitter at Streak Center JCU and JCU Sports on Twitter at JCU Sports. JCUSports.com for all the latest updates in all of our athletics as well. But I want to start with men's basketball real quick, and, I, and I'll let Connor and, and William talk about it more a little bit later. But they do end up uh, getting in, um, but they, you know, unfortunately have to travel. So, you know, I think when the Blue Streaks lost to Marietta in the semifinals, that's when, you know, all hope of hosting went out the door. Case Western and Mount Union actually are hosting as well. Case won the UAA and, of course, Mount Union beat Heidelberg in the OAC championship. So they get to host and uh, John Carroll, the odd man out as they will have to travel five hours east to the banks of Lake Ontario. Oswego, New York is where they will play in the neutral game against Albertus Magnus. And then the next game in that pool is Oswego State, the host school, and they'll play Marymount, a college from Virginia. So I think this is going to be a real interesting test for the Blue Streaks. And, you know, I, I know it, it's it's one of those things where any it, it, records go out the window. Every team is zero and zero in this and it's really a fresh it's it's really a fresh new season for everyone. So this Albertus Magnus team that the Blue Streaks have to go up against, they are a small Catholic college from New Haven, Connecticut, same town that the uh, Yale University, the Ivy League school is in. And this is a team that's 19 and 9. They started out 0 and 5 on the year, but uh ended up winning the Great Northwest Athletic Conference Championship uh, in the tournament. They upset the number one team in the country, St. Joseph from Connecticut. How about that? They were undefeated until they lost to Albertus Magnus. The old saying goes, it's tough to beat a team three times. They lost to them both times in the regular season. Marietta lost to John Carroll both times in the regular season. And they beat the Blue Streaks in the tournament. Same kind of deal a little bit, I guess, with Albertus Magnus playing against St. Joe's. This team, Albertus Magnus, their head coach is a former Division One assistant. He was an assistant at Quinnipiac and also Sacred Heart, two two Division One schools up in the Northeast. So you know this team is going to be well coached. 
uh, especially with a guy with Division One experience, you don't see that too often at the Division Three level. Just a couple of key stats that I was looking at. Now, I, I have not had a chance to look at Albertus Magnus, but they protect the rim, much like Mount Union did. They are number one in their conference in blocks per game with about five, 15th nationally in that as well. They get to the line a lot as well. They're 18th in the country in free throw attempts per game with about 23 as well. Not really great free throw percentage, 66%. So if that, you know, if the if the game comes down to that, keep an eye on that step. But uh, how about rebound margin? Second in the country in rebound mar- margin, 12 and a half rebounds. They average more than their opponents. So this team really likes to crash the glass. But the Blue Streaks are just like that as well. Um, you know, they're they're one of the top uh, teams in the OAC when it comes to crashing the boards. So this is going to be a test, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that these, you know, both teams have have some big guys on the court. And you know, I think if the Blue Streaks can play their game, if they can create those shots and get that shot selection, like Luke Frazier and 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 Luke Chacon have done all year. I think they can win this game, but they have to be able to to take their shots, you know, in good shots too. Can't be, you know, like Marietta, they were taking a lot of bad shots in the second half. If they're able to get their good shots off, I, I think I think they can beat this team. But you know, it, it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, there, there's no easy games in this tournament, so. I think I think it's going to be a good matchup, and then Oswego State one of the and there that's the other game Oswego State versus Mar- Marymount from Virginia. They're one of the best teams in the country as well. They're a team with a lot of size. Uh, I kind of expect Oswego State to win that game, but uh, I don't want to look too far ahead. It's it's one game at a time, and uh, the guys in the basketball team will say that as well. So uh, Blue Streaks will play at three fifteen today, and then the game after Oswego State and Marymount will play at five forty five as well. So uh, looking forward to some hoops, and the winner will play on March 4th, and then uh, whoever wins that will advance to the Sweet 16. Blue Streaks advanced to the Sweet 16 in 2018. Of course, that was their last appearance in the NCAA tournament as well. So, of course, we'll get to more information on this game, uh, the games, and and really the tournament for this weekend with Connor O'Toole and William Wallace a a little bit later on in the program. I want to move on now to wrestling, as uh, they had a pretty good finish at regionals. They placed fourth at regionals overall as a team, and they have three wrestlers that are going to going to be competing at nationals this year, which is held in Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, Andrew Perelka winning the 133-pound title. Patrick McGraw also winning the 157 title. And then Luke Rakoski at the 165, uh, at 165, he ended up placing third. Of course, you can go back and listen to our interview with Perelka and Rakoski from last week. So top three make it to nationals. And so those will be the three representing John Carroll. Luke Rakoski and Perelka returning All-Americans as well. And Perelka uh, came in second place in the 133-pound weight class last year as well. And Perelka did something very special on Sunday at Case Western. So he ended up becoming the all-time winningest wrestler in John Carroll history with 124 wins. He beat Joe Schmidt and Mark Haywald, his coach. 
his record of 123, both of their records at 123. So, and that was in the championship because Baldwin, he was supposed to wrestle a, a wrestler from Baldwin Wallace and he ended up medical forfeiting. So he, Peralka took the title on a forfeit. He didn't even have to wrestle him to win. And that counts as a win in the wrestling books. That counts towards your record. So that is the 124th win. The referee uh, uh, raised his hand uh, high and uh, did it for a long period of time. Uh, he wanted to. Sh- uh, I, Coach Haywell told the referee that this was history, and uh, so the referee made sure to hold up his hand uh, when he took the void at uh, in the middle of the ring. So uh, it was a really special moment. He got a real nice round of applause from all the parents and, and, and everyone that was there. And uh, it was just really, really impressive to see. And just a special wrestler in Andrew Peralka. And, and I just cannot wait to see what he can do at Nationals um, this year as well. But I do want to give a couple shout-outs to Kale Bakaizo and Jesse Kanitzar, um, who wrestled really hard this weekend, but unfortunately just took fourth place, just missed out on going to Nationals. Kale was at 149. And Jesse Kanitzar, who really battled all weekend at 197, oh so close to Nationals finishing in fourth. Uh, but he's just a sophomore. And, uh, you know, he's got a long way to go. And I've been rooting for Jesse all year. One of the, the you know, one of the more upper weight classes. Bakaizo's only a sophomore as well. So definitely a, a bright future for those guys, I think. Uh, fifth place went to Stefan Farian. He was at 184. Sixth place, Thomas Blackwell from at, at the heavyweight. Seventh place, Eddie Wallace at 125. And Caden Rogers at 174. So they were able to have nine of ten wrestlers um, compete on day two. So... Basically, that means that all those guys had a chance at getting to nationals, nine of the 10 guys. So I think that's pretty impressive to see uh, from the Blue Streaks and, and coach Mark Haywald and company. Uh, that's for sure. So I and, you know, folks, if anyone's uh, if anyone's never been to a wrestling match, it is a lot of fun. And I know it's tough sometimes to kind of figure out what's going on and whatnot. But I mean, there's people that get really get into this and they start cheering you on. And it's just it's it's unique. Wrestling wrestling events are definitely unique. And uh, I encourage you guys to come out to a John Carroll one next year, uh, if at all possible, as well. But as I mentioned before, Peralco, McGraw, and Rakoski, they'll all be competing at the D3 National Championships, which will take place March 10th and 11th in Roanoke, Virginia. So big congratulations to our Blue Streak wrestlers. And now uh, the indoor championships for men's and women's track and field. The men's team and women's team both placing second. Mount Union winning on both the men's and women's side uh, as well. But that does not mean that the Blue Streaks did not have many good performances. They definitely uh, had some good performances, uh, really led by Alex Phillip and Garrett Clark. Alex Phillip was named the most outstanding distance athlete of the meet. No surprise there. (laughs) And and, uh, Garrett Clark was named the Don Frail most outstanding sprint athlete of the meet as well. Alex Phillip, he broke two records in uh, in uh, two OAC records, and they were both 46 years old, set in 1977 by Baldwin Wallace's Larry Coy. He broke it in the mile and the 3,000 meter. He is the reigning national champion, of course, in the 3,000 meter. He ran in a time of 811.81, broke that record by thir- 14 seconds. Then he also ran the mile in 4.10.14. So OAC records mean only records that were set at the championships. So Alex uh, Alex has a better time uh, for the school record in both events. 
but since he set it at the OAC championships and it's an OAC, it goes down as an OAC record because it was, it's only records that are set at the championships. So that's how he got those two records on that day. Garrett Clark, of course, he set an OAC record in the 200 meter 21, six, five. He went also finished third in the 55, which is a new PR for him. And, uh, that was the second straight year he, he earned all, all OAC honors and that Caleb Correa also won in the 800 meter, uh, dash. He came in with a time of one fifty four thirty nine. Ethan Dimitrovich and Joe Backus finishing in fourth place and tenth place in the three thousand meter as well. I got to give a shout out to Bashir Al Rami as well. He ended up winning the four hundred meter title uh, and just a freshman and a guy who's on the soccer team at John Carroll as well. Uh, Coach Dan Wildenovic getting him into track as well and and good to see good to see him making some noise uh, another freshman max grillo earning second place in the thousand meter tyler gast ended up finishing in third place in the 500 meter he was just a second away from breaking the school record tyler gast folks is a guy that was on the the baseball team last year and now all of a sudden making some noise in track i'm telling you this is a testament to kyle basista and what he's done with athletes that don't really have much track experience tyler gast Former John Carroll baseball player. Bashir Al-Rami, John Carroll soccer player. Think about that. All OAC athletes and could one day qualify for nationals. I believe Bashir actually will. Uh, it all depends on performances from this this upcoming weekend. But uh, it's impressive, I think, what Kyle Basis is able to do. That's for sure. Corey Minton, uh, fifth-year senior Second place in the triple jump, 13.56 meters as well. Some of the highlights uh, from the Blue Streaks. Also, the men's DMR team uh, earning first place and breaking another OAC record. Uh, that was on the day before. That was that was on the Friday. The uh, distance medley relay, of course, that was Kale Correa, Garrett Clark, Ethan Dimitrovich, and Alex Phillip. Broke a 16-year-old OAC record. 9.53.41 they went. And they beat second place Mount Union by 30 Five seconds. Extremely, extremely impressive there from that group. But just not enough to beat Mount Union. Second place uh, they ended up getting. But I know they're looking forward to Nationals, which is going to be on Friday, March 10th through 11th. Same days as the wrestling championships as well. It's going to be down in Birmingham, Alabama for them uh, as well. And a couple of the Blue Streaks will be competing at the Polar Bear Final Qualifier at Ohio Northern, and then a couple will go off to Tufts at the national qualifying in Med, uh, outside of Boston in Medford, Massachusetts as well. And uh, now on the women's side, um, they had a couple of great performances. The only winner from day two was Claire Eberhardt as she won the 1,000 meter and uh, with a time of 3.02.68. Also OAC honors, Abby Schroff, freshman for John Carroll, second place, in the thousand three oh three six seven Saint Sydney Wingler also coming in fourth place in that event as well. They had four they had four runners competing uh that ended up scoring in the three thousand meter as well. And uh that was Erica Esper getting second place. Morgan Edwards, Amanda Kime, and Jen Masucci finishing in fifth, sixth, and seventh. Genevieve Arnold had a really nice meet as well. She ended up getting second in the triple jump and um she also got fourth place in the 55-meter hurdles, eighth place in the 55-meter back-to-back events, and Abby Schroff finished third in the mile as well, 513.09. Uh, 
And Taylor Anthony got second place in the 55 meter. She went 7.24. Three blue streaks ended up finishing in the top 10 in the 800 meter. Ellie Kitzmiller, Morgan Dobos, and Katie Fellenstein. And also Emmy Bryant tying for seventh place in the high jump and uh, fourth place in the 4x200 for uh, a relay team that consisted of three freshmen, Rosie Miller, or Rosie Murray, Ella Zambruno, and Kaylee McNamara, and just and one sophomore, Mia Scott. So all underclassmen competing uh, in that in that 4x200 relay on the final day for the Blue Streaks. Day one also highlighted by uh, Genevieve Arnold, again, second place in the long jump. She ended up getting also second in the triple jump, as I mentioned before. She competed in the NCAA Indoor Championships last year in that long jump event as well. Third place for Claire Eberhardt in the 500 meter. Four runners scoring in the 5,000 meter distance. Just a real strength for the Blue Streaks in these events. And the DMR team consisting of Katie Fellenstein, Morgan Dobo, Sydney Wingler, and Abby Schroff. Third place, 12-26-51. They went as well. Caroline Beery, who's been excellent in the pole vault all year, she ended up getting sixth in that event as well. So uh, some good performances from the Blue Streaks. I know that Kyle Basisto will really want to build off of this uh, for next year. That is for sure. Uh, but they'll, they'll hope to make some noise at Nationals uh, next week in Birmingham, Alabama. A couple more sports to get to before we get to our interview with Owen O'Toole and William Wallace. Baseball is starting off hot. Winning the series against Allegheny in the opening series of their 50th season of competition. first Their first season was in 1973 when Jerry Schweikert founded the team, so we are celebrating 50 years of John Carroll baseball this year. They won a thriller in their first game on Saturday. They won 11-10 against Allegheny. Remember, all three of these games took place in Beckley, West Virginia, as it was a neutral game against the Gators. They won that one 11-10 how about this? Both teams ended up scoring four runs in the eighth inning, and Allegheny pulled away um, in the ninth. They looked at, at least seemingly pulled away. They ended up scoring four runs, and they made a, they made a little bit of a comeback, but uh, it was not enough as as the Blue Streaks hung on for that win. Henry Darrow getting the win uh, for the first time. Matthew Aukerman also uh, he's he's going to be the ace this year for the Blue Streaks. He pitched really well, uh, seven strikeouts as well in in his debut. This season, they lost in seven innings, eight to five in the second game, but the third game pitched really, uh, played really well. Seventeen to nine victory. Their offense really exploded uh, in that one. And how about Eric Dawgeny as well, getting OEC Hitter of the Week after ten RBIs in the three games combined, hitting well over three hundred for the junior from Saint Ignatius, really coming through. And in this game, this this seventeen nine victory, he ended up having six RBIs uh, in that game with a home run. As well. Also, shout out to Justin Hanley, and he ended up recording his 100th RBI of his career this weekend. He became only, uh, I believe, the 10th Blue Streak to ever pass uh, 100 RBIs on the season or on a career, I should say. Bryce Holt getting um, getting the start in all three games as well in left field. Bryce Holt is a senior transfer from Baldwin Wallace. And he was a player that played a lot on their uh, a team that made the College World Series last year. We're definitely going to have to keep an eye on him as well. And they did they did all of this with without Joel Savsky, arguably the best hitter and best overall player on this team, the shortstop, Junior, who uh, was an all-region selection last year. He, uh, he was hurt. Uh, he's been out the last couple weeks 
with an injury, so hopefully he'll be back and ready to go for this Florida trip, which is taking place next week. The Blue Streaks will be playing in uh, all their games at Lake Myrtle Park, which is in Auburndale, Florida, uh, outside of Orlando. I will be going with the baseball team uh, to do some stats for them. They'll play a doubleheader against Trine from Indiana on Sunday. Monday, they'll play a doubleheader against Ursinus. Ursinus. Uh, a single game against Anna Maria College on Tuesday. They'll have a couple days off, and then they'll play two games against Minnesota Morris, who actually played their first couple games of the season at U.S. Bank Stadium, where the Minnesota Vikings play. They actually converted that to a baseball field. And uh, they'll play their final twin bill of the trip against Penn State Altoona on Saturday, March 11th. So nine games they'll play total at the Rustmat Invitational at Lake Myrtle Park in Auburndale, Florida. And I just want to give one more shout-out to Owen Gerba, who pitched really, really well um, in that game against uh, in that that third game uh, where they they beat Allegheny seventeen nine four and a third inning ended up getting the win in that one as well gave up only one run only one walk as well and uh, just really good to see the the sidearm guy uh, with with long relief as well Garrett Siegel in that game recording the only three strikeouts for any pitcher all game. So the Blue Street defense really coming up big, uh, especially behind uh, the pitchers. So really good to see there, um, you know, from the from the Blue Streaks because you know that that they they would have made contact with those with those balls as well if they weren't uh, you know if they weren't striking out. So uh, they'll look to uh, carry some of that momentum into their games against uh, all these uh, opponents in Florida this weekend. Last but certainly not least, uh, the women's lacrosse team. Unfortunately, they are off to an 0-3 start on the season. Their first home game was back on Wednesday, March 1st. They lost 10-9, a heartbreaker in overtime against Oberlin. And, you know, I just got to say, they really had a lot of momentum in the first quarter. They 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 were up 4-1 to at the end of the first. And then they allowed six goals combined in the next two quarters. So they had no offense whatsoever in those middle middle periods, and then the final period they ended up outscoring the Yao women five to two, and then just gave up an unfortunate goal at the end uh, of overtime. But just you know, just I guess some positives to take away. I think Laney Donaldson was uh, definitely a player that's that played excellent defense for the Blue Streaks. Um, there were times I was watching her; I was doing public address announcing for the team uh, for the game, and there were times that Oberlin. They could have had some easy chances to try and score, but Laney Donaldson was right there to uh, snuff out any pressure that uh, they that they were going to face. Um, and also, I believe it was Olivia Gerlach ended up leading the way with four goals, and then Kendall Gessner ended up having three uh, as well. So um, you know, couple couple they've had a couple goal scorers, I and mean, Gerlach and Gessner, I think. Um, they're going to be kind of the the main players on offense this season for for the Blue Streaks. I think also Shannon Burdick, she had a goal and two assists. Uh, she had four goals combined in the first two games. Uh, just some unfortunate losses. They lost to Kenyon seventeen to four, and then Worcester in their first game fourteen to eight. So they're looking to get their first win against some very good teams uh, on a little East Coast trip for spring break. They'll play at Stevens College, which is in Hoboken, New Jersey, outside of New York City. That'll be on Sunday, March 5th at 1 p.m. They'll they'll head up the coast 
to Danbury, Connecticut and play Western Connecticut State. That's a 5 o'clock start on Wednesday, March 8th. And then they head to Rochester, New York, where a lot of these Blue Streak players are from. There's a big Rochester connection uh, with the women's lacrosse team. They'll play at 7 p.m. against RIT, one of the best teams in the country. That'll be on Friday, March 10th as well. So it should be three really tough games for the Blue Streaks. And uh, let's hope that they can just kind of figure it out on offense as well because they have some pieces. I know they do. And I know it's tough right now, especially as, you know, with interim coaches, Mike Petrella, um, the interim head coach for the Blue Streaks, uh, Brooke McQuinn, also an interim assistant coach. So uh, we shall see. But, uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I think this team is just going get, to keep getting better and better throughout the year once they find their groove um, because OAC play is really what matters the most. And, uh, you know, they, I think having some of this good competition early on uh, will hopefully help the Blue Streaks coming up the uh, the rest of this season. Coming up next, we have an interview with Connor O'Toole and William Wallace ahead of their game against Albertus Magnus this weekend at the NCAA tournament. Don't want to miss this one, folks. Only on the Streak Center podcast. <laughs> Streak Center on jcusports.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Streak Center JCU to stay up to date on guests, episodes, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. And joining me now here on the Streak Center podcast are two members of our men's basketball team here at John Carroll, senior William Wallace and junior Connor O'Toole. Guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us here at just before the NCAA tournament begins this weekend. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I, I got to say, though, um, you know, you guys found out on Monday that you guys are playing Albertus Magnus in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They are a small Catholic college uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, same town as Yale University, Ivy League school. And you guys will be playing at Oswego State, which is about five hours from here, east of Rochester, a little north of Syracuse, right on beautiful Lake Ontario as well. How's practice been this week uh, preparing for that trip and this opponent in uh, Albertus Magnus? Um, it's been going well. I Earlier in the year, we had a big trip to Chicago about five hours away where we had a big win against Wheaton. So we've definitely been tested. We've had experiences like this. So I think that's what's special about our team. We've had a lot of um, unique experiences. We've come back in games. We've played with games with leads. So, um, you know, just preparing for one game at a time. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's Wednesday now, so coming up on three days of preparation. Um, Going to be four days tomorrow. We usually don't get that amount of time between games, so pretty confident that we'll be really prepared coming into uh, the tournament here on Friday. You guys were 22-4 and four, uh, ending the uh, OAC tournament, 16-2 in conference play. One of the best seasons in conference play you guys have, have had in over a decade. What's led to this success this season, really? Um, you know, I know a lot of the new guys coming in, but, you know, is there anything else that, that's really led to that, that success as well? Um, well, yeah, obviously you touched on all the new guys coming in. That was obviously huge. They've been just an instrumental piece to um, our team. But I, I truly and wholeheartedly believe that, you know, the off-the-field, off-the-court chemistry has uh, led to a lot of great things. You know, a lot of people were skeptical, but, you know, all these new guys, uh, almost like a you know, new face of the program. But, uh, you know, with all these new guys coming in, like, we've all become such close uh, friends and uh, teammates off the court that it's translated to a lot of success, a lot of good things, you know, in the locker room and on the court. Off of what William said is we've all we're all like a family we all um care for each other we all have each other's backs and 
I think that shows on the court. We um, everyone buys into their roles, and everyone wants the main goal, and that's to win. Was there a, a a game this season or a moment, you know, during the off season or during the season that you both you guys, of course, being on the team last year, eight and sixteen, tenth seed in the OAC, to now first, you know, first seed in the OAC tournament last week. Was there a specific game or moment this year that you knew that this team could be really good? I think over the summer we um, kind of had some open gyms and we definitely saw some glimpses of it where we were like, this this could be something special. Um, obviously, it, it takes time to gel and uh, we're, we're a lot happier where we are now than where we were in November. And that's, I'm sure, most teams that are still alive today. Obviously, the season goes on, you get a lot better. But um, I think when we really first all got together, we kind of saw glimpses of like this, everyone can buy in and kind of like what Will said, play for each other. Um, this could be something special. Yeah, I agree with Connor. I mean, just going off what he said in the summer, like we all talked like guys from last year, um, what we saw like, you know, offseason stuff last year compared to this year, like just the talent and the just raised everyone's competitiveness. So like the workouts this offseason and this summer and all the open gyms were just elevated by that much more just by having that much more talent and that much more, you know, competitive nature uh, in the gym. And, you know, last Thursday, just a very unfortunate loss to Marietta in the semifinals, a tough Marietta team, you know, and they, and they say that it's it's hard to beat a team three times uh, in one year. But I just want to know, you know, what was kind of like the mindset after that game, knowing that you guys probably did have a, a good shot at still making the NCAA tournament. But, um, you know, what, what is it about that loss, that how, how you guys are going to respond uh, in this first round on Friday? Yeah, I mean, you can always take good things away from, you know, win or loss. And I think, you know, this is kind of a wake-up call. Like, sure, we had played a great first half, um, but, you know, NCAA tournament, like, all, all that counts is 40 minutes each game. Like, there's no breaks. No, like, anyone who made it into this tournament is a good team, like, no matter what. So it's kind of a wake-up call. And, like, after the game, you know, new season, everyone's 0-0. Um, we play, we play, and just give it our all, all 40 minutes, and that's all we can do. Um, I think it was important for us after big wins, big losses, it's always important to turn the page. Um, we got to have that next game mentality. Obviously, we were fortunate enough to still make the NCAA tournament, and we um, did that, obviously, with – how great we played throughout the entire season, the resume, we um, accumulated for ourselves. Um, obviously, that one hurt a little bit, losing to Marietta. We wanted to um, be OAC tournament champions, but at the end of the day, you got to flip the page, and now we're on to the NCAA and one game at a time, so our first game of it is. First appearance in the NCAA tournament since 2018. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long five years, but uh, now you guys are finally back. And, of course, ready to go, uh, as always. But, uh, Connor, I want to ask you a couple questions about your career and journey as well. Your father, Sean, who's the athletic director at your high school, Gilmore Academy, where you went, he also played four years of basketball here at John Carroll uh, for Tim Babb, uh, kind of at the end of his tenure before Mike Moran became the head coach uh, for John Carroll. Um, what does it mean to you to have uh, your father and then your brother, Owen, who graduated last year and played four years on the team, what did it? What does it mean to have so much legacy uh, at John Carroll on the on the basketball team too? It it definitely means a lot. It definitely played a huge role in why I'm here today. Um, coming out of high school, the opportunity to join my brother and play with him for two more years was something that I couldn't pass up on. Um, it was my favorite time in high school. Was the two years I got to spend with him. So turning down those or not turning down, but the opportunity to play two more years with him is really what brought me to John Carroll. And like you said, carrying on that legacy of my father played here, my brother played here, um, it really is something special. I don't know how many people can say they've 
had that long of a legacy of family members in the program. And obviously, I just want to continue that out. Now, of course, uh, with Owen, uh, the, the previous two seasons, uh, you guys played together, uh, as you mentioned. What is it about having a brother on the team? Are you guys always going after each other, pushing each other to be better players? or How, how does that dynamic work, I, I guess? He, he definitely pushes me to be my best. Um, but like I've said, he's he's the best teammate I've ever played with. He's always got my back. He's always I, – I like to tell people he knows my game better than I think I know my own sometimes. So having him there was kind of like having my own personal coach. There's times he could tell when I get too high, get too low, and he'd always keep me calm or pump me up whenever I needed it. So definitely was something special and something I definitely didn't take for granted. It's definitely something this year I definitely miss. And I know, um, you know, Owen, he's described me uh, or you to me as as kind of like the glue guy on the team as well. And, um, you know, you, you coming out of high school, you know, you, you scored a lot of points and, you know, uh, especially with three pointers and, and, and all that um, coming out of Gilmore. But now, you know, you, you don't you're not really show up on this. You don't really show up on the stat sheet as much. Um, but you're definitely one of those guys that I think and I give you a lot of credit for being that guy who, um, you know, shows up in different places, not necessarily on the stat sheet, but things that are so necessary to, you know, being a great uh, basketball player and having a great team. How is it that you embrace that role of kind of doing the dirty work, I guess? Um, obviously, with a bunch of new guys coming in, we talked about every everyone's going to have to accept a new role. Um and I, I felt that role kind of fit me well. Um, I think my IQ is definitely one of my strong suits, if not my strongest suit on the court. So I try to use that to my advantage and help um, you know my other teammates out and make sure they're in the right spots and make sure they're in the best position so they can flourish and do what they do best. You know, your freshman year, you know, you, you guys only played in a handful of games because of COVID and all that, um, the COVID season. And, you know, kind of you didn't really get as many games in there to develop as maybe, you know, other players have had in the past just because of having normal seasons you know what was that kind of like that transition like between your freshman year and now and and how much have you grown since then definitely have grown a lot that freshman year I I think I played in three games and (laughs) I think we practiced like started in one I think started in one yeah ended up getting COVID came back ended up getting sick again (laughs) got mono and was was done for the year so it was was a short-lived season I don't even really count it to be honest with you (laughs) but it was good experience for that just to get like my feet wet a little bit, get a little taste of what OAC basketball likes, what college basketball is like. Um, but I think last year especially, I, I kind of look at that kind of more as my freshman year, a real full long season as opposed to that freshman year. And then obviously using that experience into now, um, I've definitely seen a lot of growth in um, my game and my performance. So very exciting. And uh, William, I want to talk to you a little bit, too, um, about your journey. I think you've definitely had an interesting journey here to John Carroll playing basketball. Your freshman year, you went to Ohio State first, correct? I went to Miami. Oh, I'm sorry, I, Miami. You, um, you went to Miami, and you were just a student there. Correct. You're just a normal yeah. student, um, right. and then you transferred in a couple months later to John Carroll. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I remember to this day uh, kind of interviewing you on the bus uh, going to Marietta, I think, just kind of getting your bio in place <laughs> on the website your freshman year. But... Um, you, know, you you went to Miami first, and what was it that got you to transfer to John Carroll and, and get back into basketball? Yeah, so um, first first semester was at Miami. Um, I was involved with intramurals there, you know, but obviously that's just kind of a casual basketball uh, open gym style stuff. And I just found myself like having the most fun, you know, looking forward to Wednesday nights every week, which was when our intramural league played. So, kind of thought to myself, I keep looking forward to every Wednesday night. What's the 
what's the reason that uh, I'm not actually playing. So I actually reached out to my buddy Eric Hanna. I've been friends with him for a while. I played AAU with him for a lot of years, and uh, we uh, ran into each other at Ohio State, um, talked to him, and then, you know, got in touch with him, the coaches, and, you know, one thing led to the next and came here next semester. That was actually one thing I did want to ask you about was, uh, you know, the relationship that you have with Eric Hanna. You mentioned, and he was on a couple weeks ago. If you folks want to go back and listen to that, listening into this, he talked about your relationship and how much that's helped him here at at, at John Carroll. You know, what does that relationship with Eric mean to you, um, you know, playing with him, with AAU and, and all that stuff before, too? Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's made it a lot easier. Let's, let's yeah. just say that, you know, second semester coming in. I knew him, and then I knew Jared Bublenik. Um, I played AAU with him for one year, so I know him briefly. Um, but Eric made it a lot easier of a transition for me. Um, I know Coach made a comment one time because I kept just following Eric around during practices and all that. Coach made a comment like, "Oh, looks like Eric has a new boyfriend." <laughs> he was <kept laughs> joking around with us, and all I could do is you know laugh it off with a little embarrassment on my face. But he's made it so much easier. You know, I've been really good friends with him for years now, and. Just him helping me get here and helping me, you know, the transition and help me figure everything out. I uh, can't say enough to what he's done for me. So your freshman year uh, during that 2020 season, you you didn't play you didn't play in any games at all that year. Right. And then then the, during the COVID year, you were kind of like the first guy, second guy off the bench. Then last year, you actually worked your way into the starting lineup. And now, you know, uh, haven't played as much as last year and, and haven't started. But um, I just want to know. What's it been like this season for you? You know, starting last year and playing and not really playing a lot this year. Um, you know, how has how have you taken on your role? Kind of like as as Connor mentioned in uh, earlier. Yeah, as Connor said, like we all knew coming into this year was going to be a totally different year. We're all going to have totally different roles, whatever that looks like. Um, and the only thing you can do is accept your role, right? You don't want to be um, the Debbie Downer on the team, bringing everyone's energy down. Like one of our models coming into this year was coach said we don't want any, you know, vamp. And energy vampires. So we want we all have one goal here to win. And whether I'm playing 20 minutes, zero minutes, you know, uh, scoring any points, not playing at all, it's not scoring any points. It doesn't matter. Like whether we win or not, at the end of the year, that's all that matters. So we've all kind of bought into that role, and which has helped to um, help us be so successful as we have been. Uh, now, now for both of you guys, uh, this season, what I've really admired about the team just as a whole is um, you guys definitely play unselfishly. Um, I think, and, and you guys really gelled quickly at the beginning of the season, more quickly than I thought you guys would, just because of all the new guys coming in um, and, and all that. What was it that led to this unselfish play? Uh, because I feel like with some transfers coming in, it might be easy to think, well, I, I just want the ball the whole time. What leads to this unselfish play? And you know, how? what were the reasons why you guys you know gelled so quickly at the beginning of the year? We'll, we'll kind of touch on it. Off the court, I think, yeah. was huge for us. We... We all are great friends. We all are hanging out outside of basketball. Um, and everyone is playing for each other. Everyone has each other's back. Everyone wants to see the next guy succeed just as much as they want to see themselves succeed. So um, that's kind of special. You don't see that with a lot of teams. Um, so I think that's really kind of how we gelled so quickly. Everyone just kind of bought into their roles, and everyone wants to see everyone have success. And however that is, um, at the end of the day, we just want to put wins on the scoreboard, and it's whether that's some person scoring this or another person scoring that, um, I think that's kind of how we all kind of gelled together. Talk with Will Wallace and Connor O'Toole here on the Streak Center podcast. I want to talk to you guys about Damon Jones, too, a new assistant coach on the team. He's got a little bit of NBA experience, too. He was with the Pistons for a little bit in their player development, worked more so with the 
um, the Grand Rapids Drive, the the G League t- affiliate for the Pistons. I also played in Europe for a little bit, I believe, as well. Um, what? Because I know when I interviewed Eric last time, he talked really highly of Damon and in, in his knowledge of basketball. What is, what has Damon meant this addition meant to you guys this year? Yeah, Coach James has been great. I mean, we all know his basketball IQ is very high. He uh, he knows what to do, when to do it, and I think his like transparency with us has also been great. Like he's uh, not not afraid to you know during timeout ask us like, hey, what do you guys see? Like, what are you guys looking at? Just because like he's always open to like more suggestions, more opinions, and I think he's just been great helping everyone. Like you know, being that like player coach, being that because he's a younger guy, so he's like you know kind of that in between between us and like the head coaching staff like he's just very helpful being able to merge the two and he's uh you know with his player development skills like he's you know done so much everyone off the course or out of practice as well so yeah he's just been a huge value add to this team on top of that his um his scouting reports his time and effort he puts into scouting is really remarkable like there's not a game we go into where we don't know what someone does there's not a time on the in the game where i can't look over the bench and yell over to Dame, hey, what is what is this guy doing? He'd tell you if he's going right, he's spinning. If he's going left, he's stepping back. Like, not necessarily just what he may shoot from the three, but, like, really in-depth scouting about what players want to do when they go right, what they want to do when they go left, post players, if they want to score over which shoulder, which hand, which is uh, definitely something special and definitely um, is an advantage to our team is going into games and really knowing our opponents, and he does a great job at that. I know takes a lot of time it's not an easy job and um he doesn't miss every game he's he has a great scouting report for us so definitely huge for our success well just the, the amount of film that they break down in the nba and all that too and and i, I feel like that's been a, a big part as, as you guys mentioned with uh with that film study and all the the eye in the sky i guess if you will uh for sure now both of you guys actually have another year of eligibility left uh, with the COVID year. I was wondering if anyone, if you guys are coming back for another year, if, if you guys are thinking about it, or what's uh, what's the deal with that, if you guys know? I'm not. I'm actually graduating this spring. Um, I accepted a job in Cleveland, so okay. I'll, be, I'll be doing that next year. Um, I, um, I'll i be back for my senior year, and then I'm not sure past that. Still deciding. Yeah, yeah, still deciding. Depends a little bit on school and everything, so we'll see. And any future plans for you, Connor, though, you know, like what your major is and all that? So, accounting major, I have an internship this summer with EY okay. in Cleveland, which I'm very excited about. Awesome. And uh, your brother is also uh, in accounting in Chicago yes. as well, yes. doing doing great over there as well. Uh, so, final question for you guys. I talked a little bit about Albertus Magnus uh, at the beginning. This is a good team, very well coached. Their coach uh, has Division One experience uh, as an assistant with Quinnipiac and Sacred Heart, uh, two schools up in the Northeast. And uh, a team that is fresh off of beating the number one team in the country, St. Joe's from Connecticut, in their conference championship game. So this is a team that's coming in really hot um, to this tournament. And, you know, anyone that you run into is going to be good in this tournament as well. Um, As I mentioned, very well coached as well. What is not only your attitude, but, you know, the entire uh, team's attitude going into this this weekend? Um, I think just main thing is taking it one game at a time. I think we're definitely battle-tested, playing in the OECs, as tough as a conference as it comes. I mean, obviously anyone, one through ten, can beat anyone, and um, we kind of know that coming into the tournament, too, that anyone can beat anyone. Um, obviously, this team's shown that, beating St. Joseph. Um, the record might not show the team they actually are. They lost a few early, um, but have been on a run ever since, so it'll be a tough game, but like I said, we'll we'll come prepared, and We've had a lot of these tests along the way this season, um, especially with a tough league like the OEC. So 
we're excited for the opportunity. Yeah, I think just the main thing is the fact that, you know, everyone's at the same spot. Everyone's zero and zero. It's a brand new season, postseason. You know, whether you're number one seed, number 16 seed, it really doesn't matter. Like, we all have to win the same amount of games, you know. Um, we're all going to the same places. So we're on the same field here. Um, no advantages for everyone. It's new season, zero and zero. Like Connor said, turn the page and, you know, just take it one game at a time. As you mentioned, Connor, they have not lost. Uh, they lost a couple early, but they haven't lost in this calendar year yet, 2023, you know, the, this this calendar year. So uh, they're definitely on a hot streak. And uh, I just wish each of you guys the best of luck this weekend. Uh, William Wallace and, and Connor O'Toole, big thank you guys uh, for, for joining us here on Streak Center. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been great. You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. For the latest news on all things JCU Sports, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JCU Sports, or visit jcusports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. And a big thank you to Connor and William for coming on the Streak Center podcast ahead of their trip to Oswego, New York, playing Albertus Magnus College, small Catholic school in New Haven, Connecticut, from the East Coast. About the same amount of time for them uh, to drive to Oswego as for the Blue Streaks, both about five hours. Uh, but they had to head west. Blue Streaks had to head east uh, as well. But, you know, just that's just the draw that the Blue Streaks ended up getting. Uh, as, you know, you know, if, if they would have had, if they would have beaten. Marietta, and if they would have won the OAC, I think it would have been a different draw, and you would have probably seen the Blue Streaks host. But uh, you know, you got to be road warriors sometimes in these uh, in these NCAA tournaments, and uh, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens uh, over this weekend. Hopefully, the Blue Streaks can come out with two wins, uh, but they've got to fend off that really hot Albertus Magnus team coming off a, a, a win over the number one team in the country with all the confidence in the world, and a team that really crashes the boards well. And uh, can can really make you pay uh, down low in protecting the rim. That is for sure. So it should be a great matchup with the bigs uh, for, of the Blue Streaks as well. Another shout out uh, before we close out. The All OAC team for women's basketball came out. Kaylin Underwood ended up getting second team, and Ava Rincars getting honorable mention as well. So two Blue Streaks on the All OAC team. Good to see the, the senior Kaylin Underwood finally get on there in her first year in the starting lineup for John Carroll. And Ava Rinkar is the freshman who is only going to get better and better, reminding me so much of Nicole Huffington being able to play down low and being able to shoot on the outside. Same same type of build as Huffington as well. It's uh, I think I think this is only the Blue Streaks are only going to go up from here. That's for sure. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Streak Center JCU. Also. At, uh, at jcsports.com for all the live stat links, live video links, and latest news on all John Carroll sports. We are taking a break next week because of spring break. So uh, we'll, we will come back next time, uh, next week after that, for an episode of Streak Center. So thank you again, folks, for tuning in. And make sure to tune in in two weeks, only on the Streak Center podcast.